0: Welcome, this is Lyd Berings with a series of podcasts on leadership and all things related. Occasionally I'm still asked to, uh, to come by and do something on motivation, literally like this. Uh, we would like to focus on how our managers motivate our people and can you help us? Usually I say I'll be there, but not for longer than 15 minutes. Now, you can almost hear them thinking, uh, would he charge the a whole day for that? And uh, yes, the answer is, is fully, yes, I'm going to charge a whole day for that. Now, let me explain. What triggers motivation? Why do you get up and do stuff? Or why do you put off doing it? In the next couple of minutes, I would like to challenge some ideas you might have on motivation. I strongly believe leaders should not spend their time on how to motivate people at least not much of their time. And that is simply because you cannot motivate other people. Leaders are able to demotivate people. That's not so hard. And sometimes they can even inspire us. But that's not the same as motivating people. Putting your focus on how to motivate is like searching for a remote control. And if I find the right buttons, I can get them to do stuff. That never works. People motivate themselves and before we move, all of us, we ask ourselves four questions and sometimes we do that in a split second and the answer to those questions will decide if we move yes or no. Now let me run those questions by you. The first one is, what's in it for me? What's the value? What's the gain? Will I be happier, richer, more successful, more relaxed or or what? Does it improve my relationships? Does it give me more energy? Does it help me to lose those extra pounds? Will it make me feel good? If we have a clear picture of what a certain action might bring us, our motivation to get going will be higher than if we do not have that clear picture. Now, it may sound egocentric, but what's in it for me? And it is. Leaders cannot answer this question, but they can ask it. They can help people to define their own answer. Now, the second question that goes through our mind is about clarity. Most of you will know like smart, you know, specific, measurable and so forth. I don't know about you, but for me, it has never really worked. I, I, I never got out of bed in the morning thinking, yeah, my goal is smart. I'm, I'm going for it. But there's at least one thing very true. And that is the second question we ask ourselves. It is about clarity. Is it clear to me what I can start doing? Is it clear what I want to achieve? If your next step is very clear, your motivation to go there will be higher than if you only have some vague idea. Ask cyclists what happens to them if they near their home after a 50 kilometer ride. Most will say they go faster, they turn up their speed a notch. A horse that smells the stable will pick up speed, or at least they told me so. It's like two magnets. Uh, The closer you bring them together, the harder they start pulling. Leaders can help people to do that. They can ask the right questions so people get a clear picture of what could be their first step. What is the ultimate goal or target? Help them to make it sharp so people can see it, imagine it, draw it, smell it, taste it, or sometimes even touch it. I'm helping to put a man on the moon or APC on every desk. Those are all very powerful images. We can literally see them. That's clarity and what it does to motivation. Now, there's always a price to be paid. It, it might be energy or time or money or sweat and tears or I don't know, uncertainty, discomfort, whatever. The third question is not about the price itself, but it is about the question if we're willing to pay it. If, if we say, yes, we are, our motivation, of course, will be higher than if we say no. So this third question, for instance, is the reason that I will never do the New York Marathon. I see exactly what's in it for me. I mean, my physical condition and, to be honest, my status. I can imagine myself walking around and saying, I did the New York Marathon. It's perfectly clear to me. Second question. It's 42 kilometers and I think it's 195 meters. And I can actually imagine hearing people cheering me along the route. But I fall flat on this third question because I'm not willing to pay the price. I I think the price is too high, it's too much. The profit is not important enough for me in relation to the cost. Now, leaders can help people to clearly understand the price they're asking and help people to put it in perspective with the gain, the profit, the first question. But leaders can never answer the question. People do that themselves. Another last question. Years ago, I I worked with a group of consultants in a a global company and we discussed ideas about their future careers. And one of the participants said that somewhere in the future, she wanted to have a training center for dogs. Okay. So I quickly ran through the four questions with her. Mind you, I had not discussed them in the workshop. When I asked her what she thought so inspirational about the idea of running such a business, the first question, what's in it for you? She said, well, you know, I do like dogs. I, I have two at home and it seems like fun to make them my daily work. Good. Then I asked what the mental picture was she had of it. I wanted to find out how clear that picture was. And she said, well, a, a meadow outside the village where I live. Um, there's a wooden wall, dogs climb it. I, I will have one of those thick suits. So they can safely bite me and and oh yeah, there, there'll be a wooden shed somewhere with tables and chairs for coffee. And then I asked her if she had any idea what she have to do to pull something like that off, you know, if she had any any clue of the price. Now she thought for a moment and said, well, that's probably a lot of stuff. I will need money to invest, probably a loan. Uh, um, Uh, Town council about permits and zoning plans and all my own training. I will need to find some course for myself first. I don't know about you, but the group really didn't think much of her motivation at the time. That was mostly because her answers were hesitant and she didn't sound prepared. as uh, As if this was the first time that she thought about these things. And then I asked her the last question. Will you succeed? Do you think it's going to work? And to everybody's surprise, she banged her fist on the table and said in a clear voice, Sure, I'm convinced. And that dealt with the last question. What do you think chances of success are? Could it succeed? Could you do it? Is it possible? If your answer is negative or, or hesitant, you will be right by definition. Look, if you don't think things will work out, I know one thing for certain... Your motivation to try and prove yourself wrong will not be very high. We just prefer to prove ourselves right. If we say this is not going to work, more often than not, we're going to be right. Unfortunately, I cannot turn it around. If we say it's possible, this can be done, you will succeed. Ah, That would be too much. But I do know that if you see a chance of success, if you think there's a possibility, we're just more motivated. Again, we like to prove ourselves we're right. I cannot do it. In our organization, that's impossible. No one has ever managed to. Um, the circumstances will not let me. Uh, it hasn't worked so far. They all sound to me like the best alibis for not even trying. In workshops, and this is what I want to close with. In, in workshops, I tried to prove this point uh, with a challenge for the audience. Now, what you need to know is that I prepared before the session by pinning a, a 10 euro bill under one of the chairs. I asked the group for help in finding out what the fourth question is. Would they all please raise their right hand like me? I raise my right hand and about 100% of the audience follows my lead and raises their right hand. And when I ask them why they did it, most will say they followed my lead. You did it, so I did too. Well, that means the fourth question could be, did the facilitator ask me to? Of course, that's silly. That could never be right. And to prove that, I asked the audience to stand up and lift their chairs above their heads. And while asking them, I actually just do that on stage. In general, nobody will follow my lead now. So why is that? The facilitator did ask and gave the example. Still, nobody followed. Why didn't you stand up and lift your chair? Answers vary from too much trouble, obviously not willing to pay the price, to uh, I saw no reason, what's in it for me, the first question. Okay, let me try to give you a reason, um, uh, uh, some sort of what's in it for me. Would you please stand up and raise your chair? Because there's one chair that has 10 euros under it, and if it's your chair, you can have the money. Now, there might be one or two that hesitate, but before they decide, I call for a timeout. Before I continue, I say, I first want my money back. So I walk over to the chair I prepared, and I ask the person sitting there to please reach under it and give me my money back. Now, the effect is always great. Nobody expected really for the money to be there. And that's the fourth question. Nobody believed, so nobody even bothered to try. Nobody was motivated enough. And to top it off, I then asked the audience to stand up and lift their chairs because there's also a chair that has 100 euros under it. And if it's their chair, they can have the money. Now, guess what happens? Everybody gets up. I give them a minute and then I break the anticipation by claiming, I'm not stupid. The 100 euros is not there. And that's because I know for certain everybody will get off their chairs and start looking. I would always lose my money. So the point is proven. All four questions ran through their heads, sometimes in a split second. Question number one, okay, 100 euros, that's worth something. Question number two, very clear, 100 euros. Question number three, willing to pay the price of ridicule. Well, yes, everybody gets up, so I don't look a fool doing it. Uh, What's the trouble of getting up anyway to to look under my chair? Yeah, I'm willing to pay that price. And question number four, it is in this fourth question that something has fundamentally changed. They all saw the 10 euros. They have come to think that maybe, just maybe, this facilitator is stupid enough to give away 100 euros. It could be possible. And everybody is motivated enough to try To finish the story, it was just once that I actually lost the first 10 euros. I asked, in that case, the audience to get up to lift their chair because of the 10 euros. And what never happens happened that one time. The guy on the chair looked at me and literally said that could be possible. And he was the only one to get up and look under his chair. He earned the money fair and square. And by literally saying that could be possible, he also proved my point. This is why it is so important for leaders not to just set the example in behavior. That's not enough. You also need to show any successful step in the right direction. Show any success, however small. It will affect people's perception. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it.